You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're like, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul confronts a pillar in the church, Peter, because he not only misrepresented the truth of the gospel, he led others astray in misrepresenting the truth of the gospel. Are you following the truth of the gospel or the rules and traditions of the law? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Danny, he shares with you the big difference between religion and relationship. Religion is a bunch of outward actions that try and make you appear like you're close to God. Relationship is actually having a connection and knowing God. Pastor Danny encourages you that you're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. You're not justified by keeping the law, only by Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 John chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word. Second John, right after First John, of course, and Second John, verse one, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, the elder probably referring to John, who is penning the letter, uh, the chosen lady and her children, probably the church he's writing to, and the children by faith, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Praise the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. And I've underlined in my Bible, truth and love, because that's the main theme of this little epistle, truth and love. Verse four, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. You wish the Holy Spirit could have him write all of your children walking in the truth, but some of your children walking in the truth. Just as the Father commanded us, and now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Now, I want to stop there just for a minute and say that God's love is not based on feeling. It doesn't mean God's love uh, doesn't have feeling at times. Doesn't mean uh, my love for my wife uh, doesn't involve feelings. But I learned uh, years ago that if I base my love for my wife on feelings, there's sometimes I won't love her. If she based her love for me on feelings, there's a lot more times she won't love me. Uh, love, God's love is not based on feeling. Because when you lose the feeling, you no longer love. 
God's love, let me read it again. This is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. But I had to learn to love my wife by faith, by faith. Now, thank God, it's not separated from feelings, but the feelings are not always there. All right? For God so loved the world that he had warm, fuzzy feelings. No. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave. And, of course, we know what that meant practically speaking. He's giving his son, and his son was willing to come into a a cursed world and offer himself. He was persecuted, ultimately put to death on a Roman cross. But God so loved the world that despite the pain of offering his one and only son, he did that. He did that. It wasn't based on feeling. Verse 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is coming in the world uh, or in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, catch this now, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. And he closes, the children of your chosen sister send their greetings, probably referring to the church body that he was a part of, John was a part of, and they suggest, scholars do, that uh, the last years of his life was spent in Ephesus. It's a very important little epistle. It's brief, but it's packed with a very important message. It's love and truth. One of the interesting things is the agent, human agent that God used to pen this little epistle is the Apostle John. The Apostle John became known as the Apostle of Love. And yet, here the message is truth and love. A lot of things the early church had to stand against uh, in regard to falsehood. And of course, the most important was uh, falsehood in regard to the gospel message. Uh, I think called Gnosticism rose up. The basis of the belief of Gnosticism uh, was that matter is evil, uh, knowledge is where it's at, and knowledge is even more important than faith. And it had some offshoots, but it, it, it marred and, and adulterated the pure message of the gospel. And so John and others had to stand against that heresy. Then there was the challenge, uh, especially for the Jews, of mixing faith in Christ and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross with Old Testament stuff. Uh, One of the Old Testament things they had a hard time letting go of was circumcision. And they would say, some people would say, well, faith in Christ, yes, but you must be circumcised. Paul the Apostle, Acts chapter 15. Make your way there just for a minute. Paul the Apostle stood opposed to this along with his partner uh, Barnabas. Acts chapter 15 Verse 1, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And some people would look at that debate 
Some people even involved on the falsehood side of that debate might suggest that Paul and Barnabas were not very loving. And here's what we got to grab right away from 2 John. Love disconnected from truth is not God's love. God's love is based on truth. You separate it from truth, and it can become something like, well, you believe that, and I believe this, but let's just love one another. It has no absolutes. It has no foundation. God's love is always linked to truth. And people that don't want the truth don't feel loved, even though they are. Galatians chapter 1. Go there with me for just a minute. Galatians chapter 1. Such an important truth, uh, the purity of the gospel. Paul gave some strong words. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who calls you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's strong. You get to chapter 2, verse 3. Not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. But you want to see something incredible? If you get the same chapter, Galatians chapter 2, and jump down to verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. This is the Apostle Paul openly, publicly confronting one of the greatest pillars of the early church, Peter. Verse 12, before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, the ones that were teaching. You need to be circumcised as well as have faith in Christ. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're like, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul confronts a pillar in the church, Peter, because he not only misrepresented the truth of the gospel. He led others astray in misrepresenting the truth of the gospel. Here's what Jesus said. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Now you say, wait a minute. What about the angels that appeared on that Christmas morning? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. One translation adds a little, and rightfully so, peace on whom his favor or his grace rests. In other words, peace to those who receive Messiah, who receive the truth. But this is talking about people who receive it versus those who don't. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And the context he's talking about is truth. Truth. 
The message of 2 John, while dealing with the purity of the gospel message, goes beyond that because verse 9, and I'll read it again, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, the teaching of Christ. I don't know if you've discovered it yet or not, but some things in the, some things in the Bible are just not black and white. They are not clear. 2 Peter 3.16, Peter writes, and he says, Paul The apostle writes some things in his letters that are hard to understand, that some people distort to their own destruction. Now, here's the way I take that verse, practically speaking. I'm not going to focus on the things in the Bible that are not clear to me. Doesn't mean I won't continue to study and pray and ask questions. Doesn't mean you can't discuss things that aren't clear. Just don't make that your main focus. Because the Bible declares that we won't see everything clearly until we see Jesus Christ face to face. We see in a glass darkly. But the things we need to see clearly, the things that are clear, the, the things that are vital now, God's made them clear for us now. Not only are some things not clear, some things are not black and white. Uh, There are also in the Bible what's called issues of disputable matter. Romans chapter 14 is devoted to the very subject, disputable matters. Um, some of the things it talks about is uh, some Christians say we ought to all be vegetarians and they try to use scripture to prove that. And then on the other hand, some say, no, everybody can eat meat. It's okay to eat meat. Uh, There were issues, Romans 14 mentions of whether you eat meat that's unclean. And one of the things that people had a problem with in their conscience was if they found out that meat they bought at the market was before it got to the market offered and sacrificed to an idol, they couldn't in clear conscience eat that meat because it had been offered to an idol. And then there's an issue in Romans 14 about um, alcoholic beverages, whether you can drink wine or not as a Christian. Folks, these are disputable matters. And the whole point concluding in Romans 14 is whatsoever is not of faith is sin. All right? And here's the deal. For one Christian to partake of an alcoholic beverage would be wrong for them. If you came from an alcoholic background, whatever, you know, you probably ought to stay away from it. But then for another Christian, that same issue, it might be okay. Are you with me? And that's what he's talking about. And you have other things not mentioned in Romans chapter 14. I mean, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember the issue in in a lot of churches when women started wearing pants to church. That was a big deal in a lot of churches. Dancing was an issue when I first became a Christian. And the church I was a part of, they didn't want you dancing because they said, if you dance, you know, you're going to conjure up demons that are going to lead you into bad things. Some things in the Bible are not clear. Some things are disputable matters. But some things are absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. And teachings, teachings that are important teachings, not disputable matters, not non-essentials. The gospel is the essential, but then other doctrines very clearly revealed in the scriptures. Very important. Don't be surprised if even from your own local church, and we've seen it happen more than once, unfortunately, that people bring in distortions of the truth and begin to evangelize those. And then the leadership has to deal with it. Here's what Paul said to the Ephesian elders about the Ephesian church, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. It it grieved Paul because he knew of how people would be drawn away. 
go with me just a minute, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul actually mentioned some names of uh, people who uh, he was once associated with, that's the impression you get, and they may have even ministered together. That seems to be the implication. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, keep reminding them of these things, warn them before God against quarreling about words, it's of no value, only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. And then he mentions a couple of guys. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place. And they destroyed the faith of some. And once they began to teach that, Paul stood opposed to it and no longer welcomed their fellowship. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, one of the same names is mentioned, Hymenaeus, but another guy is mentioned, and we aren't given the detail. But he says in verse 18 of chapter 1, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you might fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus, and then he mentions another guy, and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. So whatever they were teaching was so seriously a distortion of the truth Paul said, I'm taking a stand against them and against what they represent and what they proclaim. Back in 2 John, let me give you one bit of practical encouragement. From 2 John verses 10 and 11, very strong uh, admonition here. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Now, here's a practical question. I'm going to give you my opinion. Does that mean that... When the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, in my neighborhood, they keep coming because there's a kingdom hall right around the corner and they're just relentless. They just keep coming. And when they knock on my door, if I let them in, am I violating that passage? My opinion is I don't think so. It's what I say to them after I welcome them in. Now, I, I must admit, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following the Lord every time on this. I don't know. But I don't feel often led anymore to invite them in and have a, a, a lengthy conversation. Usually our conversation is very brief, and it's a front door or in the front yard. And sometimes I actually run into the backyard and don't answer the door. Uh, come on, you do too. Yeah, come on. No different than you. But in the times I have had conversation with them, and I've had many, I'll ask to use their Bible I'll lay some ground rules. I'll say, look, here's, here's some ground rules that I think is fair for you and for me. If you share 10 minutes, uh, then you give me 10 minutes. If I share 10 minutes, I give you. And then we put a, I usually put a watch right there and say, okay, you know, hey, okay, I, I appreciate that, but now. And then we'll go back and forth, equal sharing time. Just honor one another with that. And then I'll take their Bible, and I'll usually go to Isaiah, starting in Isaiah chapter 43. You might want to just take a, a quick turn there, Isaiah chapter 43. And I'll go down to the middle of verse 10. And the middle of verse 10 says, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. And notice it's the little g God. They suggest Jesus is a God with a little g. 
I, even I, verse 11, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Now, if your Bible translation has the Lord there with four capital letters, capital L-O-R-D, that's telling you it's a translation of the Hebrew word for Jehovah. That's very important, especially when I'm talking to Jehovah's witnesses. I say, you're aware, that's Jehovah, and of course they are. That's Jehovah. And we start there, and then I go to chapter 44, and I'll go down to verse 6. This is what the Lord, capitalized, this is what Jehovah says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first, and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Either at that point or sometime later, I'll go from that scripture and tie it in to Revelation chapter 1, where John sees the vision of Jesus, and Jesus says there, I am the first and the last. That's what he says. And then we'll keep going, and I'll go uh, chapter 44, verse 8. In the verse 8, you're my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. And then you go to verse 24. This is what the Lord Jehovah says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am Jehovah who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. And either at that point or sometime later, I'll tie in from that verse, Colossians, and Colossians tells us that Christ is the one who created all things. And then I go to Isaiah chapter 45 and the first part of verse 5. I am Jehovah and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. Same chapter, last part of verse 6. I am the Lord Jehovah, and there is no other. Verse 18, Isaiah 45. The end of the verse. I am the Lord Jehovah, there is no other. Verse 22. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I've sworn, my mouth is uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. And then I'll link that verse with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, especially verses 9 through 11, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then I'll link that with Romans 9, 5, where Paul gives the advantage of being a Jew, being an Israelite. And they have, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all. Doesn't get any clearer. When I spoke about the Blessed Mother, and I started off telling you about some of the teachings of the Catholic Church regarding the Blessed Mother that are just absolutely not true. And every time I mention that, somebody will come up to me after one of the services or somebody will email me and say, well, they say lots of different things, but, uh, but over the years, a lot of times people say, you know, I invited my Catholic friends or my Catholic neighbors or Catholics at work, and they came to church with me today, and they'll probably never come back again. And I'm sorry for that. But truth and love have to go together. And if you say, I love somebody, but you're not willing to tell them the truth, you don't really love them. You don't really love them. I want people to know the truth because it's the truth of the word of God. It's not my truth. It's not my opinion. We've had to deal with so many things over the years. Thank God I don't have to get into it today, but not long ago we had to examine the teachings of a man and our leadership examined them carefully and we concluded based on the word of God that much of his teaching is falsehood. That was painful for us to do. 
cost me a relationship with a close friend who was an elder in our church. Some of the people left the church still today. Some people who still agree with that teaching, our relationship has been affected. You think I enjoy that? Of course not. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. If you're not able to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the book of 2 John, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. 2 John is full of practical wisdom to help guide you as you grow in truth, and we hope this message has empowered you to live a life after that of Jesus. After all, He is the greatest truth. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all we have for today. Tune in again next time to hear Pastor Danny continue teach through the book of 2 John, right here on The Living Word. 